Well, James chapter 5. We're at the end of this book. This will be our last sermon on this book of the Bible. And uh, over the last four and a half years, we have been through the book of Galatians together, Colossians, Matthew, Daniel, and now the book of James. And um, it really is kind of like saying goodbye to an old friend. You you spend so much time walking through this, preaching through these passages, and um, it's just like, hi James, nice to meet you for about five, six months, and then, bye James, we're going to go see our friend Moses in Genesis or whatever. Uh, But I do want you to be aware of what's coming up in the the coming weeks for preaching. The next four weeks, we're going to look at something that I'm going to call the Gospel according to the Psalms. Uh, The Psalms were written far before Jesus ever came. But the Psalms talk about Jesus' coming, talk about Jesus' incarnation, talk about Jesus' death, talk about Jesus' resurrection, talk about his exaltation. And so we're going to be looking at different Psalms having to do with Christ. And then it'll be Christmas time, and we'll have a Christmas theme. Excuse me, I'm a little stuffed up if you can't tell. But, um, and then in January, we are going to start the book of Genesis, which I'm really excited about. Uh, maybe more excited than any other book. I'm just really excited about Genesis. And what we're going to do with that is we're going to look at chapters 1 to 11 and probably piecemeal through that fairly slowly. And then in between chapters 11 and 12, we'll take a break and probably look at maybe a pastoral epistle like First, or Se- First Timothy or Titus or something. And then we'll come back to Genesis and look at chapters 12 through 50 in bigger chunks because that's where you get into that messy family, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, all that mess and uh, bigger swaths and bigger stories. So um, that's what's coming. So look forward to that and be reading uh, the Psalms, be reading Genesis as we come to them. But the last sermon here of the book of James, I've titled this sermon series, James, a living faith. And all throughout this book of the Bible, James has called us over and over again to live out our faith. That we would have a faith that works. Not just a faith that's in your mind. Not just a faith that you know in theory and you can explain. But a faith that you actually live out. That a faith that extends to your hands. It goes into your head. Filters into your heart. And then moves out into your hands. It's almost like James has hopefully grabbed us all by the lapel. And just screamed in our face. Live out your Faith that we would ask God for wisdom in a trial back in chapter 1. That we would remain steadfast in chapter 1. That we would not be deceived. That we would be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. That we would be doers of the word. That we would not show partiality to some Christians over other Christians. That we would love one another. That faith without works is dead. That we would tame our tongues and rely on God to tame them, that we would have wisdom, that we would not be worldly, that we would not boast about tomorrow because we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, that we would not lay up treasures on earth, that we, we, that we would be patient in suffering, that we would confess our sins and pray for one another. And then this morning, in James chapter 5 and verses 19 to 20, in almost a, a way that would seem odd, to end a book of the Bible, if you're familiar with the New Testament and you look at the very end of the books that specifically Paul writes, they're very flowery. 
the, the benedictions or Jude or may God bless you type of thing, like benediction type stuff. But James ends and grabs us by the lapel one more time and says, brothers, sisters, pursue the ones who are wandering. Pursue the ones who are wandering from the truth. It would be odd for him to close this way if we weren't thinking in the context of family. If you're an older brother or sister, you have younger siblings, you probably heard your mom or have heard your mom many times say, keep an eye on your brother or sister. By simply being older, you were responsible for the younger. And James closes his book, grabs us by the lapel, and says, look out for your brothers. Look out for your sisters. Look at our text again. James 5, 19 to 20. My brothers, if anyone wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. I want to draw a few things from this passage this morning, all of which can be found on the back of your bulletin. But in verse 19, you see how he begins by showing that there are times where wandering members of the church are in need of restoration. Second, he shows that members of the church should seek the restoration of the ones who are wandering. And then in verse 20, you see the results of the restoration. So notice with me the first one, the wandering member in need of restoration. It's almost this simple and settled fact for James, isn't it? There are going to be times where church members wander. It's going to happen. The word for wander here is, is actually from the Greek word where we get the word planet. And you can imagine a couple thousand years ago when the astrologers are looking up into the sky and they're saying, well, th- these stars over here seem to be fixed, but these lights over here seem to be moving. Well, that's because they were observing planets and they were saying planao, they were wandering. So James is using that word here, saying that there are going to be People like these planets, they're, they're wandering. They're not, they're not fixed. And James references these ones who are not staying fixed. They're off. But what are they not staying fixed to? You see what he says there in verse 19. He says, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, Turn back to James chapter 1. I want you to see in James chapter 1, we looked at this word for truth before in James chapter 1 and verse 18, where he says this, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. So there's our word. He brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So James said all the way back in chapter one of God's own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. He opened our eyes to the word of truth. When we looked at this text those months ago, we noted that the truth is a reference to the gospel and all that it entails and how it practically works itself out in all of our lives. So James says that he opened our eyes to the precious treasure of the gospel. God did this of his own will in your life. God came to you and said, come alive. I'm opening your eyes to these great truths. We're born again. He births us. So we were condemned to hell and ruin for all eternity. Yet through the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he 
died and rose again, and his life was lived for us, by accepting and believing in this, we would have eternal life. God brought us forth by his own will, by the word of truth. Yet there are those who are wandering from this. Like you've seen something so beautiful. You've seen the gospel. It's beautiful diamond of the gospel. Massive. And then you're like, I'm I'm all set with that. You've wandered away from this gospel. Sometimes you see the bumper sticker. Not all those who wander are lost. But for James, if you're wandering... You need to be found. You need to be restored. If you're wandering, you are lost without the truth. Wandering can happen for different reasons, can't it? In this context, there is a wandering that is due to a willful disobedience. Like you know the truth, you know the gospel, and you willfully choose to turn your back on it and begin to wander away. You can wander because of willful disobedience. But there can also be a wandering due to ignorance. Like you don't know what the truth is and if you don't understand its relevance, you wander. So you can wander due to deception as well. So you can wander due to your willful disobedience. You can wander due to ignorance. But you can also be deceived. You can wander because some false teacher has come along through the schemes of Satan and they're deceiving you and causing you to wander away from the truth. And we need to be sure to keep the entire book of James in focus as we think about what it would look like for a person to wander away from the truth. Think about that right now. In your own mind, how you think, if somebody's wandering, what does that look like? Because the entire book of James, he has been intensely focused on putting together what we know to be true and how we live that truth out. So he's not just merely calling us to know something in our minds and not to practice it in our lives, but that these areas will be married. And so when James says that there are those who have wandered away from the truth, again, what do you think about when you think of people wandering from the truth? For James, it is not just those who have wandered in their minds, but those who have ceased to practice the truth. We can't live under the delusion that we can separate what we know from what we do. Often when we think about somebody who has wandered away, we think of somebody who has started not coming to the Sunday morning worship service. And I think that that's true. There are people who make that a habit. The author of Hebrews calls us to make it a habit that we would be with one another on the Lord's Day. I think that is an obvious indication that there are people wandering when they are not coming to worship. Yet it would be very easy for us to sit here and chalk wandering up just to that. It would be easy for us to sit here on our high horses and and worship together, thinking about the stray cats of the congregation, without giving a moment's thought to ourselves. We cannot delude ourselves into thinking that just because our bodies are here right now, that it means that we're not wandering at all. Like just because you're warming a pew right now doesn't mean that you're not wandering. Some of you are wandering in the sermon, I get that. But you're sitting there warming that chair, but you're actually wandering mentally from the truth. You could be warming that chair, yet be miles away from the truth of the gospel, can't you? I love these words from 
Robert Murray McShane. And I, they're kind of humorous when you think about them, but McShane was writing in the 18th century, so keep that in mind as I read this. He says, It is a common thing for persons grown up in years to turn old and gray-headed without observing it. Most people are unwilling to be thought old. They do not love to notice the progress of decay and the marks of old age are allowed to steal upon them unobserved. The teeth drop out one by one. The hand loses its steadiness. The limbs lose their elasticity. The eye becomes dim and gray hairs are here and there upon the head. And we are in old age before we are aware. So it is in the decay of the soul in divine things. When you consider this, that we're all getting older, I was just telling Jack this morning, like suddenly there's like more and more gray. You're like looking through and you lift up your beard, if you have a beard, and you see more and more gray. It's like it just happens. I remember the first time I saw a gray hair in my beard, but I don't really remember the rest. And it just begins to happen, doesn't it? And you look in the mirror and you're like, I got crow's feet starting. What's going on and you're getting older and maybe your teeth are falling out I don't know but things are happening and you're like wow there there wasn't hair on my shoulders when I was 18 what's going on like all of this aging is happening but so it is Murray McShane says in the decay of the soul and divine things like you might notice it at first when you're beginning to decay but then time goes on and Spiritually speaking, you're growing gray hair in a, in a negative way. And you're getting older in that way. You're, little by little, you're wandering away from the truth. Friends, are you wandering at the moment? Are you wandering from the truth? Like, Is there a soul decay that is currently happening in your soul right now? Are the truths of the gospel, like all of these wonderful things that we've sung about that Jesus has done for us, that he's died for us, he rose again, he's going to be coming back for us, all of these divine things, is that growing disenchanting to you? Is that something that is not that wonderful for you to hear about right now? Is your life away from this place beginning to look more and more carnal and worldly as time goes on? Like is holiness becoming more of a mask that you wear? instead of something that's actually happening within you. Friends, as if we were sitting in a room with just you and me, or you and God, the Holy Spirit, consider, are you in need of restoration of the truth? And we all just don't really know it yet. Maybe you're feeling like a smoldering wick about ready to be snuffed out, like a bruised reed that's about to be crushed. Come home. Jesus says, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. If you're wandering in your mind or in your life when it comes to the truth, come home. The gospel is too good of news to disregard. Jesus claims to be the truth himself. There is no truth apart from Jesus that is going to satisfy your soul. So come home. Come home to Jesus. We used to have invitations in the church that I grew up at where at the end of the sermon there would be a prayer and a song and people would come forward and kind of line up at the the altar we called it and people would pray together when the pastor got done preaching. And one of the songs that we would sing that came to my mind as I prepared the sermon was Softly and Tenderly. 
And we would sing it during these invitations. Oh, for the wonderful love He has promised. Promised for you and for me. Though we have sinned, He has mercy and pardon. Pardon for you and for me. Come home. Come home. Ye who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling, O sinner, come home. Friend, if you are wandering this morning, I'd invite you. Please come and see one of the elders. Grab a member that you love and trust and pray together and confess together that you might be restored. The member in need of restoration. Second, the member seeking to restore the wandering member. You have the, wa- the member who is wandering off and you have the member who is seeking out the other in order to restore them. Look at verse 19 again. He says, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back. So you have that wanderer and you have somebody else who's going after the wanderer. And I want to be extremely clear because I think James is really clear on this point. This is, this is not just the responsibility of the elders of the church. A couple verses ago, he told you some of the elders' responsibility to go and to pray for somebody, to anoint oil onto them. But now the application is broadened to the whole church. And we need to be clear on this because I think that most Christians are glad to resign all pursuit of wandering members to the elders. To pursue the wandering ones, that's the pastor's job, right? This is our job. And when you become a member here, It's actually something that you commit that you will do within our church covenant that's on the back wall. We say together, we will watch over each other in brotherly love. We've covenanted that together. That I'm going to do that for you and that you're going to do that for me. It's a responsibility of all of us. And so you become a member here. You promise that you will do it, that you'll watch over each other. This is part of your ministry as part of this church. Do you remember back in the book of Genesis? In Genesis chapter 4, we have Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel, they bring their sacrifices before the Lord. And Abel brings his sacrifice. Cain brings his sacrifice. And the Lord accepts Abel's offering. But he doesn't accept Cain's, does he? And what does Cain do? He ends up killing his brother, right? And the Lord comes to Cain And he asks where his brother is. And Cain famously or infamously asks God, am I my brother's keeper? And so often we are happy to resign ourselves to the spirit of Cain and say, am I my brother's keeper? Instead of joying in the fact that we get to be our brother's keeper. Being thankful that we're actually called to watch out for one another. To look after each other. Being thankful that we have other people to look out and watch out for us. Friends, somewhere along the way, the, the church totally lost this idea that we would look out for one another and care for one another. But the sheer nature of being in a faith family, a local church, is that you are your brother's keeper. And on the other side of it, I think this helps display that you and I need other Christians to help keep us. Sometimes we'll close out a service with the benediction from the book of Numbers where it says, the Lord bless you and keep you. But friends, part of how the Lord keeps you is through the membership of the church. 
part of how God preserves you is through the ministry of other Christians in your life who are on active duty in regard to your souls. That they love you enough to keep you, to protect you, to encourage you, to confess their own sins with you, to pray with you, to go after you when you're wandering. So a passage like this clearly displays for us that so much of evangelicalism and probably Windsor Christian Fellowship on some levels is missing the boat when it comes to the kind of intentional relationships that we're supposed to have in the local church. We toss around this phrase a lot here at the church, meaningful membership, to be a meaningful member at Windsor Christian Fellowship. That church membership is not just coming on Sunday morning, warming a chair and leaving, coming back the next week, doing the same, coming back the next week, doing the same. Just doing that, that's just not God's will for us. Meaningful church membership involves messy, loving, safeguarding, intentional relationships with other Christians. I have zero interest in being part of a church where people have nothing to do with one another beyond Sunday worship. That was a little bit of a novelty for me and Bethany, shocking for us when we first moved to Maine and we started going to church. And one of the things you would often hear after the service is, see you next week. That was so troubling for us. I don't want to wait seven days to see you again. I want to see you tomorrow if I can. I want to have my home hospitable and open to you. I want your home to be that way for me. I want to help you if you have a flat on the side of the road or to help you get your deer out of the woods. Like I want to help each other with these things. Don't you want that? Don't you want the kind of family interaction with one another where like all of this actually matters? That it's not just this loose connection and we come on Sunday, leave on Sunday, come on Sunday. Leave on Sunday. But that we actually, back in our context here, that we love each other enough to pursue the ones who are wandering. The ones who are like you and the ones who are nothing like you. The ones you naturally gravitate toward and the ones that kind of repulse you or bother you. We live in a culture today where people demand that you not only tolerate, but accept the sinful choices they make. But we need a church culture where we refuse to tolerate or accept the sinful choices that other people make. And to love each other enough to say, brother or sister, I'm not going to tolerate that. I'm not going to accept that. I'm going to pursue you and I'm going to bring you back to the truth. And so if we're going to really actually love each other as a church, then we don't go to the elders and tell them the dirt that we have on other members. But we love the other members enough that you're willing to knock on their door and rebuke or correct them in love. This is countercultural stuff, isn't it? Like this is something that all of you are sitting there saying, that's the last thing that I would want to do. But this is what he calls us to. This is the kind of ministry that is desperately needed within the context of Windsor Christian Fellowship and what James calls us to do. That we would be members who would seek to restore the wandering brothers or sisters. I was going to have you turn to Matthew 18 with me, but we'll hold off for now. But in Matthew chapter 18, there is that classic passage of what we call church discipline. Where there is this interaction of a brother who has sinned against another brother. And what Jesus tells us are four different steps. That if somebody sins against you, you go to that person alone. 
That's the first thing you do. You've sinned against me, brother or sister. I'm going to come to you and I'm going to approach you over your sin. So this person has begun to wander. They've begun to untether themselves from the truth. And so you go to that person. If they listen or if they don't listen, you take one or two other people and you approach them with one or two other people. If that doesn't work, you bring the person before the church. If the person doesn't listen then upon their sin and they don't repent, they're not restored, then the fourth step is excommunication. And all of this is done in the tone of love that you would expect. Like somebody is wandering from the truth. You don't bring a sledgehammer and beat them over the head. You go to them in love. Somebody is wandering. Love them. Pursue them. Can you think of anybody right now that you would pursue? This is a needed ministry within our church. There are going to be times when members wander. And we need other members of the church to track them down, to lovingly rebuke them, and to bring them back into the fold. And I think most of us are probably saying, they're not going to listen. They won't listen to me. But are there, is there the possibility of positive results? Look at verse 20. Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. So third, the results of restoring a wanderer. James says, let them know. Like, let this person who's going to go after the other, go after the wanderer, encourage him with this, that if he brings that sinner back from wandering, he's going to save his soul from death, and he's going to cover a multitude of sins. To go after someone and bring them back is to save their soul from death. What kind of death? Spiritual death. Everlasting death. Like, so this is what's at stake. The wanderer is just, oh, we just just kind of let people be people and let them do whatever they feel like doing. What's at stake is them going to hell. Wandering away from the truth of the gospel has eternal consequences. Their wandering ultimately leads to hell. That we believe here is eternal. Is that not motivation enough? To reach out to the wanderers? If you really believe in hell, that'll move you to reach out to people. But we often say, well, you you don't really understand the nature of our relationship. I don't know them that well. It's not really my place because I've committed sin in the past and so I really shouldn't approach them. I'm not saying that you go to the person with a beam in your eye to talk about the speck in theirs. You deal with whatever you have as an issue and you go to that person who's wandering. And you pray and confess. Eternal damnation is at stake. None of you, I hope, would stand around and make excuses if you saw a Mack truck barreling down the road about ready to hit my child. None of you would say, you know what? I'm not Nora's mom, so I'm just, I'm just not going to worry about it. The Mack truck's coming. Nora's in the middle of the road. Not really going to worry about it, right? That's foolish. You'd holler, wouldn't you? You'd scream. You'd, you'd probably be even willing to give your life in her place. 
All social and cultural norms fly out the window when a child's in the middle of the road and a Mack truck is coming. We do anything we could. We'd look like an absolute fool in order to save that child. So why does it change when something even greater is at stake? Why do we suddenly become encumbered with excuses as our brothers and sisters wander their way to hell with nobody caring enough to help turn them around? And James says, that we have the opportunity, along with saving them from death, to cover a multitude of sins. He says that in verse 20. We'll save his soul from death and we'll cover a multitude of sins. One, of the, one author said the following, Christians can be agents of God's forgiveness. Just like when someone, you go to somebody to evangelize and you tell them about the gospel for the first time, all that Christ has done, you share with them the truth of God, what He has done for them in Christ, and that person trusts in Jesus, you were used to bring that person to Himself. And in the same way, when we go to a wandering brother or sister, and we lovingly confront them, and bring them back to the truth, we pray and we confess, a multitude of sins is covered. I just have two questions in closing. Are you a wanderer? I'm brought back constantly to the words that we sang this morning and oftentimes within sermons, I'll read them to you, say them to you. Prone to what? Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take, here's my heart, take and seal it. Seal it for your courts above. Like we confess that in song. But when you're singing it, did you sing it from your heart? That I am prone to wander. And I can actually feel that wandering. I can feel wanting to untether myself from the truth and to move away from the God I love. And so we have to get to this point where we say, here, here it is. Like every Sunday, or every time we're in confession and we're praying at home by ourselves in our closets, that we are saying, here it is, God. Take my heart. Take and seal it for your courts above. Like Keep it. Hold it. Tether me again to yourself. Are you wandering right now? Is that the prayer that you need of recommitment and restoration to God? But then the second question. Are you seeking the wanderer? I think that what we see in the hearts of those who take up this important ministry is the heart of Jesus. Do you remember in Luke chapter 15 where Jesus gives these three parables and he talks about the prodigal son, the lost son, and he talks about the lost coin. And then he also starts with another one that is the parable of the lost sheep. And if you remember that parable, there's a shepherd who loses a sheep. He has a hundred of them and one of them wanders off. And what does he do? He leaves the ninety-nine And he pursues after that one sheep. And when he finds that one sheep, he grabs it and he throws it around his shoulders. And he goes and he rejoices with his friends. And Jesus says, this is like going after the sinner and seeking their restoration to the fold. So do you have the heart of Christ that would seek out and reach out to the wanderers? That you would pursue them where they are, to love them, to pray with them, to confess with them, as it were, to grab them and to throw them around your shoulders. 
and to bring them back to the fold. Father, I pray that you'll help us to do this. That you would break our hearts for our own wandering. That we do wander and we do feel it, that constant propensity to pull away. God, I pray that you will seal our hearts for your courts above. Seal us by your Spirit until the day of redemption, which you promised to do. Lord, we ask that you would hold us fast. Hold us securely. Keep us to yourself. And Lord, I pray that you also give us hearts that would not only want to be tethered and stay close to the truth, but that we would also pursue others who are wandering away from it and to pull them back. To love you enough and to love them enough, our God and our neighbor, to bring them back to the truths of the gospel. Would you bring about this great ministry in our church? We thank you for what you're going to do through it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.